Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Good morning. Yes, indeed, there is a war for our souls. Morning, honey. Good morning. The war goes the war on. Goes on, but we have victory in Jesus. <laughs> hey, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are the victorious one. That you are in control. You are in charge, and you love us, Lord. I thank you, Father, for giving us now today, this day, eyes to see, ears to hear, and heart to receive revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, to comprehend that you will connect the dots that you cause us to understand, to know, to realize what's going on in our lives, what's really of greatest importance with all of the chaos, the deliberate uh, terror and clutter and, and evil in this world that you cause us not to lose focus or lose sight on what is of the most important primary focus and urgent matters. And that is, Lord God, our eternal destiny and that of our loved ones. So, Lord, I pray today... Now, as we look at hidden agreements and how they affect our lives and how we've been programmed and have we been programmed even to agree with our own destruction, Lord God, that you would protect us, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken will be able to be used by the evil one to bring forth shame, trouble, or, dest- or destruction to us, to our loved ones, that you'd cover us in every aspect of our lives, and Lord, that your will be done. Father, we ask these things and we ask as we will speak clearly and as the oracles of God in these matters. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Did you ever think how important the things that we come into agreements, making agreements with things, did you ever think of how important that is in determining our lives, our eternal destinies, Yeah, and how it, things go in our lives? Yeah, right. And we make agreements all the time. We make mm-hmm. conscious agreements. We make unconscious agreements. We make, or we could call them active agreements. Mm-hmm. We could call them passive agreements, and right. we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first of all, what a what an agreement is, it's it's being in harmony or accord. It's 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 an an agreement is an understanding or arrangement with two or more people or countries or so forth, uh, or it's a contract. You know, that's a dictionary definition. And to agree means to consent. Mm-hmm. to be of the same opinion, mm-hmm. um, and to arrive at a satisfactory understanding. Okay. So that's, a, that's a, again, a dictionary definition of agree. agreement. And how do we make agreements? Well, even things like, you know, your signature on a document is saying, I agree with what's in yep, this document. Yep, yep. Or even when you're paying your bills online. Pay, paying your bills online. You have to make that little check mark in the, that little box. Yeah. You've agreed with the terms of this, whatever, right, whatever. Yeah, at a restaurant or whatever, you sign, you agree to... Pay the pay. bill. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of times we make these agreements. Even saying amen at the end of a prayer means so be it or I agree. Yeah. And I think it's really important that we understand how foundational agreements are even in the word of God, even with things that we take for every day for granted, like amen is, is a way of agreeing with God and agreeing with the prayer or whatever was petitioned. And so, you know, we, we just 
have to dig a little deeper into getting at the foundational structures of what this word of God is all about. And his agreements are very structural, very foundational to, um, to the, the work of God in our lives, the work of Satan in our lives. Yeah, well, agreements are, are foundational to everything in, in, in society. That's you know, true. from the family to family, school, business, it's, it's well, every aspect it has to do with agreements. agreements. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I believe it's uh, some, I've heard this said, and I believe it's true, that the devil cannot do anything to us just because he wants to. He has to get our consent or our agreement or our cooperation. He, that's why he tempts us, because he has to deceive us or lure us into coming into an agreement with him. That's what temptations are. And so even in Proverbs, it starts out with a very interesting admonition to the young men and women. He says in Proverbs 1, starting with verse 10, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us go, lie in wait, at a, at, you know, let us... Uh, Take possessions that is find a house and take its spoil. Uh, cast your lot in among us, my son. Do, then he says, my son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. For their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. So the ways of everyone of these is for greedy gain. And it says at the end, it takes away the life of its owner. So even in the most obvious thing, telling the young people flee from evil do not pursue it do not throw your do not consent with evil doers uh bad friends corrupts good manners you know and so many times you know peer pressure that sort of thing causes the unsuspecting to come into an agreement just because they don't say no just because they don't say i i'm not going to do that they come into a passive agreement they come along they're you know and they get caught in these sorts of uh agreements but that's very blatant. Don't go with sinners. But there are so many ways we go with the liar and don't even receive. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of times we, we think of things, even just like, um, say, an, an unconscious agreement, uh, just like what we watch. And we can get into more details mm-hmm. on this. What we watch, what we wear, even. Oh, yeah. Well, we will definitely. Uh, what, what we allow, what we eat, what we drink, what we read. Um, you're, you're making a covenant with your eyes. I think it was, it was a Job who said, I didn't make, I, I, I kept my eyes from sin or whatever. Yeah, and he, looking he said, at, I've made a covenant with my eyes. I'm not going to look on a, mm-hmm. on a maid to, to lust after her. I've made an agreement. Mm-hmm. I've made a contract with my eyes. And so, uh, but a lot of times, Marjorie, we don't think of ourselves as, oh, I just watched this program on TV. Mm-hmm. We don't think it was. I just made an agreement with something. You allowed sitting something. here for mm-hmm. for ninety minutes watching this program and this movie. Mm-hmm. Right. So we are making an agreement by just sitting there, by allowing, by taking it in. Whatever we take into our bodies, um, whether it's food or the air we breathe, the water we drink, uh, or even the way we, like you just said, spend our time. You've come into an agreement with that thing, the presentation of that information, uh, that chemical, that food substance, you have permitted it to enter into, you've partaken with it, partaken, that's, and so we've allowed it to co-mingle with our lives and begin to do its work of uh, influencing and changing or corrupting our lives, our wills. And so very often we're agreeing with, for example, the food we're eating by taking it in and eating it, not realizing that that food is, is in covenant with uh, 
GMOs, for example, or pesticides, herbicides. And so you have been duped or deceived into looking at the appearance of something that looked very appetizing, very well presented, and you come into an agreement with it. And now it's doing its um, dastardly deeds in your body and you, you, because you've agreed and taken it in. The same with music, uh, rock music, hardcore, uh, negative, destructive vibrations from hell that we listen to. Uh, vanity, per- pornography is another thing. Those things that we look at that change our, that actually alter our brains and how we perceive and understand and they corrupt and darken our, our very brains, uh, our minds, our minds actually. Mm-hmm. And well, it, it talks about, uh, you know, even, even, you know, very deep and very serious, uh, those things that are very dark. If you, if you look in, um, Isaiah chapter 28, he talks about the covenants that have been made. And a lot of times people, you know, in a sense, this was what God is partly saying. conscious, mm-hmm. partly unconscious. But these, these, we, we, we're making covenants with the dark side. Uh, he said, um, Here for, wherefore, hear the word of the Lord. Uh, he, he talks about in verse uh, Isaiah 28 15, because we have said, We have made a covenant with death and with hell, we are at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge, mm-hmm. and under and under falsehood we have hid ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's like they were thinking and believing that um, if they worshipped the demons. Actually, a lot of mythology and demon worship comes out of the fear. And in that fear, we make an agreement. We make a covenant with the darkness. They would offer them sacrifices or food or uh, human blood or animal sacrifices, whatever, to make a covenant or a, for protection. We'd, they would make a deal with the devil mm-hmm. so that I'll give you this, this, and this if you promise not to hurt me. So almost right. all of idolatry and demon worship starts out with an enticement, but it ends up with fear and, and exchanging giving uh, something, the, the, the fruit something. of your body. Sometimes they were giving their own sons and daughters in, in human sacrifice. For the protection and the favor of these demon gods. And he, so he says, uh, you know, the covenant with death, and, and it speaks of, of destruction and hell. So, there, so when, when we look at, you know, some evil thing before our eyes or listen to some evil thing, they're involved in some evil practice, a lot of people don't think, hey, I'm just making a deal with death here. With the devil. With disruption, yeah. with the devil. Mm-hmm. I, I am risking hell over my this particular, destiny. my eternal mm-hmm. destiny over mm-hmm. this practice. And then, and then he talks about the good news here is that God says, verse 18 of Isaiah 28, and your covenant with death shall be disannulled, and your agreement with hell shall not stand. And so he's talking about He's going to sweep away this refuge of lies. You know, when you're thinking about this world, I mean, this world is just full of lies because mm-hmm. everything un- the underling who controls, he's, he's the God of this world, small mm-hmm. G, prince of this world, Satan. He's a liar and the father thereof. And so lies, we make, how do, how do we make lies our refuge? It talks about here. Well, lies are, are a place where we hide, where we think we have protection, we have safety, we have comfort in lies. Well, because we believe them. Now, let me, let me, let's go back to the very first agreement that tipped the whole tale 
on his head. I think I know what that is. I do too. (laughs) Well, in in Romans chapter five, um, it's talking about, if we want to go, we can start with first. Let me see. I think it's Romans five. Hold on. Well, in in Genesis chapter three, about the agreement that Eve, Eve made. That's the agreement. Yeah, you're right. But and I'm then but, the agreement that Adam made, and then it's well. This is what God says about in Romans yeah, chapter exactly, five. Exactly, exactly. Yes. And He says, um, and it's interesting how that one man's agreement, uh, one man's but the gift is not like that which comes through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in co- in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses, resulted in justification. So one man's agreement, technically Adam and Eve, one man's agreement or offense, which was an agreement with the enemy, resulted in exactly what you're saying. The whole world came under judgment, condemnation. So that offense came out of an agreement with the liar. So when they were coming into an agreement with the liar, you know, here, the agreement with the liar or submitting, she, Eve, was submitting to the serpent's counsel, which is what we do oftentimes. That was a transgression. A transgression is to do, means to do wrong, to break the law. Um, the commandment there was not to eat. She overstepped the boundaries of safety and, and stepped across that, that boundary line, that safety line. And in that agreement to eat, just that one little thing which was the huge, uh, I don't know, hinge point or whatever you'd call it, upon which everything was determined. She gave way when she ate. The eating that forbidden fruit gave the necessary, uh, gave the agreement to the enemy that caused her to transgress. The serpent then was able, through that agreement, she listened to him, the liar, was he, he was able then to lay claim to his ill-gotten prizes because of that transgression because of the sin. Now, so one person's sin into the whole world. It, it switched the, the ownership of the whole world went from paradise to, you know, paradise perversion. lost. Perversion. Yeah, per, yeah, perversion, exactly. Yeah. And so then we look in, in, so God is remedying this situation. He has now two problems, actually. He has two problems, but we don't see that very clearly. At first, we just see, oh, no. Now the children of God are living in the devil's territory, and you can only imagine what that means for them. It's going to mean death, destruction, pain, agony. But one man's offense, through one man's offense, his agreement with what? The lie which caused him to act upon that lie, which is the, then causes the sin. So the sin comes out of the lie. The offense comes out of the agreement. So the right. agreement is primary. So our agreements, we think, well, that was way back then. That really doesn't affect anything today. I say, look again. It affects everything today. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I've heard it said, and, and I think we all have, that I can do whatever I want as long as I don't hurt anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we do. And what we our agreements that we make today not only affect ourselves, either positively or negatively, but they affect others either positively so god is well yeah god is saying verse 17 for if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one now we're talking about death reigning here as king much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the, the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one jesus christ so now they're saying 
God is saying, okay, if one man's sin brought everybody to destruction, then one man's obedience can bring whosoever will back to protection and life. And that's exactly why it worked. That's why Jesus worked. His one man laying down his life for everybody is of equal value to one man sinning and opening up transgression and death for everybody. So it's, it's kind of like an eye for an eye kind of thing. And so that's why we then have this new opportunity to enter into death with Jesus Christ. And that's what Romans 6 talks about, um, that we enter into of our, uh, participate with him in his death on the cross through baptism, etc. So we can die to the ownership of Satan or his lordship over us, his reigning over us in this world, because now we're dead. And so we're translated into the kingdom of his dear son, of God's dear son. What Jesus Christ has done through his cross and his resurrection, his ascension, his exaltation as king of kings and lord of lords, first as a suffering servant, a suffering savior, he has disannulled this covenant of death, made it possible for that covenant of death that's in, affected and infected all of us to be disannulled and, and replacing it with a covenant of life, a new, mm-hmm. a new covenant, a new deal, a new arrangement. But uh, see, this is very critical, this new arrangement, new deal. First, understanding the actual what the, the tragedy, the cataclysmic event that set us up in this world transpired to become, to evolve into this world as we see it. And so much, but so much of the original uh, structure and depth and meaning and what's gone on here has been lost to the everyday average man who lives in the skyscraper, dwells in the loft, drives in the rush hour traffic and doesn't, you know, any, he, he doesn't think any deep he's going to do this weekend. And for those of you who are more interested in living of a meaningful, dedicated love to God, you, you must understand the perimeters, the parameters, the foundations, why, how this thing works and what we, if we don't understand it, if a doctor is doing surgery and he doesn't understand anatomy, uh, I don't think I'd really want him to take out my appendix. You know what I'm saying? He might not even know where it's located. You have to understand how things work together, how things uh, got started, what needs what to have this happen. We just need to understand how it works together. And going back to the foundations of Romans, he says, uh, verse 2, or verse 1, we'll start with, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He's talking about we died with Christ, now we're, we're free from the law of sin and death, but are we going to take advantage of grace or, or, or use it, abuse it? Um, but he says in verse 2, Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So at this point, as we partake with Christ, he's going to explain this now in the next couple of verses. How shall we continue to live in sin in agreement that what is sin? You know, everybody's worried about sin, getting rid of sin. How do I be good? How do I get rid of my sin? Go to church, do penance, do this, do that, do good works, work the program. Sin is a problem, but it is not the root of the problem. And to get rid of sin, you must get rid of the the lie, the root of that sin. Yeah, that's that's it. Because we've come into agreement with the lie. Therefore, we, the, and the results of that are the are sin. The, the problem with coming into an agreement with the, the original sin is we didn't, we weren't there. 
And so we don't consider that really something we're responsible for. However, we're suffering under the consequences and effects of it. Therefore, I think that original sin becomes somebody else's sin and not my problem, although it continued to create great, great problems for both God and his people. So when God says, okay, here's what happens. Um, Paul is explaining in verse 3. Do you not know that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So this is a symbolic um, uh, dedication or a symbolic act. Let's put it as a, you, you, you're baptized, you go down into that watery grave, you come back up into newness of life. So it's a symbol of your death, baptized into Christ's death. Therefore, we were buried, that's the baptism thing, with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So here God's saying, I've given you now a new chance, a new opportunity to walk in your own life, newness of life. You are not harnessed with the shackles of transgressions and destruction, death, and, and condemnation if you come up into newness of life. However, even as we see we should walk in newness of life, we've been united together in the likeness of his death, we should certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. This is good news, although most, most of us don't wait, wake up in the morning and say, oh, I am so glad I am going to be resurrected someday. I'm so glad I'm walking in newness of life. We're just, oh, no, what time is it? I'm late. I've got to get going. Uh, skip breakfast this morning. And we forgot our whole, the, the agenda of the day comes crashing in around us, if we can even get out of bed. Some people are so anxious they can't even pull themselves out of bed. They're stricken down. But he's saying, for we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly also in the likeness of his resurrection. Here, look, listen to verse 6. Knowing this, not hoping, not thinking, not feeling, but knowing that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. That body of sin is what? What is that body of sin? He's calling a, that body of sin that that old programming, that, that uh, default that's set to destruction and death should no longer be operating in our lives. We should no longer be slaves, slaves of sin. Now, what does that mean? We're enslaved. He doesn't say we're depraved. He says we're enslaved. You know, if your, your child gets kidnapped and they're enslaved, they're captured, or they get taken behind enemy lines somewhere, they're still your child, and they're still worth rescuing. And God didn't say, oh, forget it. They're so, they're so depraved anyway. I didn't even really want to go after. I, they're not worth it. I'll just skip, you know, leave them die. We're not, it, it's so many, there's another, there's a, a lot of lies and fallacies and false gospels out there. One of them says that man is depraved and we have a sinful human nature. Yes, that sinful human nature was our second nature, not our first nature. We were made in the image of God. And that nature is still there, even though it's been scammed and scummed and slimed over with a bunch of, um, actions and ac accusations and agreements that make it hard for us to see who we really are. So he says, verse seven, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, knowing this, knowing that. Here's another knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. Now, he's really talking about something that we should be excited about, that we're alive. This, th this whole present world does not need to destroy us right yeah we're we're in this world but not of it in a, in a sense we have we have to make certain agreements to operate in this world but mm -hmm. we can make agreements that are not sinful correct to operate i mean we can make an agreement say to um, but every agreement we make 
it makes it consequent. There's consequences to it. Right, right. Obligations. If you sign an agreement to uh, buy a house, buy a house, mm-hmm. there, there's, con- I mean, there's consequences. <laughs> there's, there's, uh, there's, there's uh, responsibilities. There's, there's things that you, you have to come through on in order to, to do that. Um, That's why we count the cost. On right. So, but, but even though, but the thing is, there's certain aspects as we've talked about of this sinful world that we're living in, that we are not to make an agreement with. Mm-hmm. We make agreement with a whole new set of kingdom principles. Yes, exactly. It's called the new covenant, which right. is the new agreement, the new the contract. kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. So we're living the kingdom of God On, yeah. in a sense is over everything, but there's kind of a invasion. There, right. There is a, there, there is kind of a, um, there's a realm of Satan's activity, but within that, and uh, not under it, I would say, but within, within yeah, in this it. sinful world is the kingdom of God is operating mm-hmm. and it's operating. Uh, it's, it's growing. It's expanding. It's mm-hmm. not going to take over the world for now, but one day it mm-hmm. will. One day he will. Jesus Christ, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. So, mm-hmm. so the we we disavow ourselves disavow ourselves from that old cancel out th- those old agreements mm-hmm. through the power of Christ through mm-hmm. the blood of Christ through the grace of God and then we live in the new agreement the new deal the new principles the new uh, uh, one accord operating uh, principles we we work with one, in one accord with the principles of the kingdom. Right. Before this can happen, though, we have to make a conscious uh, agreement, understanding what we're doing. A lot of times, for example, going back to the back to baptism, people baptize infants and, or they get baptized because people say you're supposed to be baptized. But even though it is a symbolic uh, dedication, like the parents are dedicating their child to God, they're making a, an agreement for that child uh, because the child is too young. And of course they want to make sure the child is dedicated to God, which is a good thing. But when you get older in some churches, then they have what you call the confirmation where you agree, you have to agree uh, with what your parents or grandparents did. So your actions, you go through some more actions, rituals, motions. A lot of times that's all it is, is another action, ritual or motion that has no real conviction or meaning to it we're offering a lot of lip service going along with it what's expected of us um but we may have missed key newness of life i know there's a lot of people as a matter of fact i've heard a couple of testimonies lately of people who grew up all their lives in a various in church this kind or that kind and they did not have any clue about being born again or salvation or jesus or any of this stuff it was just part of it was just you know what they learned as part of their tradition you know um, and it, it meant nothing to them. But as you know, as he says in Romans, knowing this, we have to know this, that our old man was crucified with him. Knowing, you have to know that. You can't, you know, that, that's something you have to grasp. Oh, God, give me the revelation of knowing that I have been crucified with Christ. Knowing that I've been freed from my sins through death. Now, when you're dead, think about it, dead man doesn't sin. 
really a dead man can't even be tempted to sin. If we really walked in that, as he says in verse 11, likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Reckon, count it so, consider it as, act as if, go in this world, not as if you're part of this world, but you are part of the kingdom of God invasion into this world and make it a deliberate, conscious walk, listening to walking in the spirit, using your spirit software instead of your old soul software that's been programmed by your experiences which were set up by the devil and he's just fed you a bunch of lies and you're walking in lies so your soul is always going to come up with doubt and fear and confusion because that's all it can do or you can choose to know that you know what you know and walk in your spirit so he says in verse 12 um, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust now in the Amplified, it really amplifies that verse. It says, therefore, do not let sin rule as king in your mortal, short-lived, perishable body to make you obey it in its lusts, evil passions, and cravings. That is like, okay, what's going on inside now of me that's causing me to make me do something. And Paul says, don't do it. Don't go with it. Don't permit it. Don't agree with it. Say no. Walk away. Flee. Tell the devil to shut up. Uh, submit to God. Resist the devil. This is where the real spiritual warfare battle is. It's in the, between the soul and the spirit. And it can play out into our physical bodies, into our relationships, and into our finances and everything else. But it is let not, do not permit sin. Do not give an, an agreement to it, whether it's a passive agreement, conscious or unconscious. And I think we're going to get to that now because a lot of people say, well, I don't, I don't make any agreements with the devil. I mean, verse 13 says, do not and do not present your members, your body parts, your mind, your heart, your soul, your will, your lips, your feet, your hands. Do not present or give or yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin or to keep on sinning. You have to begin to say no, no, and no. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And that word instrument there means weapons. So once we are dedicated to God, we become a weapon in the hands of the Lord, a servant of the Most High, to do his will and his bidding only. And so there's a, a rejection of one agreement, the old agreement, the old software. Right. And, and there's the embracing, the entering into a whole new agreement. Instead of parts of my body being used for sinful purposes. Mm-hmm. Now they're being used for righteous purposes because I have come into agreement. See, this whole thing of, of following the Lord is, is it's a matter of deprogramming and reprogramming. Right. So right. We're, the Lord is deprogramming us from our old thinking, believing the lies of the enemy, to walking the according to sin and lust, and, and, and reprogramming us to have the mind of Christ to think more and more like Christ, to be motivated more and more as Christ would be motivated, and that's through love, and to come into agreement of the, of the kingdom principles, mm-hmm. not the kingdoms of this world principles, not the principles of Babylon, not the principles of the prince of this world, but the, the principles of, of the king, Jesus Christ, and his kingdom. And so this is, this is it's, it's entering into a new agreement, and we're 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 growing into these agreements day mm-hmm. by day. It's, it's, yes called, the it's called mm-hmm. the process of sanctification. Exactly, is simply coming into these uh, 
Agreement. Uh, coming into more and more of the agreements of the kingdom with the kingdom of God. That's right. And so in verse 14, he says, going on Romans 6, 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Now, this is a very pivotal verse because he's saying we're transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, Colossians. But we're no longer under the dominion of the law because the law brings transgression. The law puts us back under the dominion of sin and transgression. You are under the law of grace. And that's the only place Christians, believers, followers in Jesus Christ can really live is in grace. If you try to mix law and grace and try to be good and all that stuff, you go, you're getting lured back into pulled back into being uh, tempted by the evil one who will actually tempt you on ways that you can try harder to be good and get God, get, you know, make God happy. We are already pleasing to God because through the blood of Jesus Christ, that finished work on the cross. And even though you may not feel good or you may think I am bad or you may believe still a lot of things like I'm no good, I can't make it, I'm never going to make it, I'm afraid, I'm bad, I'm stupid, God's mad at me. You, those are the lies that are being perpetrated as temptations in your soul, in your mind, your heart to get off track. And you need to begin to recognize those thoughts as not your own. And a lot of times people, you know, the Bible says to test the spirits where you need to find out where is this thing from? Is it from heaven or is it from hell? Because there are only two kingdoms and I don't have one of them. So if the thing yields and Jesus is by their fruits, you shall know them. So if it reduces down to whatever that thought is, if it reduces down to death, fear, destruction, um, uh, stress, anxiety, uh, sleeplessness, whatever, it is not from heaven. If it reduces down to rest, peace, goodness, joy, hope, rejoicing, um, love of your brother and your enemy, then it's from God. And so we need to begin to do some spiritual math to reduce down these things to find out where they're from. And this is not as hard. It's just different. It's not, it's not hard. It's just a different uh, strategy that we're going to begin to use to discern what's really going on in our life. And now we're going to get to the verse that we need to get to. This is Romans six sixteen, which is kind of the, 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 the crux of uh, the whole matter of agreements. It says, Romans 6.16, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slave to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin to death or of obedience to righteousness? So whom you yield yourself, servant to obey, his slave you become. And Jesus said it this way, he who commits sin becomes a slave of sin. You know, every time and the more often that you smoke that cigarette, the more you become addicted to it. Every, that, every, it's, like, it's like if you think about smoking a cigarette, for example, or any little act like that of disobedience, every time you agree with it, it's one little string is being wrapped around your wrists. You're being tied up, you know, two, the two wrists together, like you're, you're being handcuffed with it. One little string, one little agreement. Then you do it again and again and again. And though that little string may be a little string and it's easily broken at two or three strands, by the time you get 20 or 40 strands of that little string around your wrist, you are no longer free to break that thing. It is like now controlling you. And I think that's what we need to understand with Satan. He, he just lures us little by little. He, he's very patient. Little, little by little. He's very patient. Mm-hmm. That's one of his virtues, which only does us in because it's so subtle and quiet. But so, so we go back to this, whom you yield yourself sermon to obey, who you make the agreement with. That's who's going to take over. That's going to, who's going to uh, control your life. And that's exactly what programming is. Satan programmed us, and Paul talks about that in Romans 7, which we're not going to really get to today, but he says, um, just to say that if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. That's Romans 7.20. If, if something, he says, there's a war going on inside of me, 
the one who wills to do good. I see this sin that's controlling me. And so he calls that sin a body of death. And of course, that body of sin and death has taken over from uh, the garden and is still part of our very uh, fallen nature. The original sin is still there. And so that weakened uh, part of us that was stricken in the garden, that our soul, which was stricken with that body of death uh, and programmed at that point to go after, you know, to make us uh, control us, if you will, that that is, that is still effective if we let it be, even as a believer, that, that thing, that program is still running. And, it, and, and the only way we can uh, deal with it is to choose not to heed it, but to go on and listen to uh, what the Spirit has to say to us. So, again, now let's kind of go back with um, what Jesus said. One more thing. He said, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the word of is like the corrector the correction factor. It's the truth. It comes in and straightens out, removes, uh, annihilates, um, avoids out the lie. And so that's why the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So every time you read the word of God and you find a verse in there, that is, you know, it's the truth. And you see that you're doing something opposite to that. You make the decision to cancel out your behavior and you can do that. You can't, you don't have to just cling to because, Oh, it's me or I'm used to doing it or it's just who I am. You know, if you if you keep losing your temper all the time and you see that that's not what the Bible is recommending. And there are times to be angry, but the Bible says be angry and sin not or don't let the sun go down on your anger. And you, you seize and you you meditate and you mull it over and you get bitter and you keep these words are generated in your mind. These vicious thoughts and negative, bitter, critical spirit uh, thoughts are being generated in your mind and you get so inundated and used to it for example you have to take captive every thought the Bible says make it subject to the obedience of Christ you say no you know what you spirit behind these negative critical bitter judgmental uh, thoughts I rebuke you I say no to you people don't take this kind of assertive action in their life because they think somehow they've been dumbed down we've been dumbed down to be passive and think some priest or some prophet or some pastor has to pray for us. You are, God has made us kings and priests unto him. You're your own pastor. Go ahead, shut the door on this thing. Tell it to go to the pit. And then you say yes to God. This is how we get the house cleaned out. You know, when you're cleaning out your house, literally, you got to go through your junk, got to go through the closet, got to go through the back room. There are, there's stuff in there that's putrid, pure, it's, it's breeding bugs and rats and whatever. You have got to Get it out, throw it out, take it to the burn barrel, whatever you got to do. You can't just say, oh, well, it's okay. It's a part of me. It's been here so long. I'll just let it. It's no big deal. It is your junk. You have a right to get rid of it. Those are your agreements that you made. You have a right to cancel them out, and you're wise if you do. Because Jesus said you shall know the truth, and they're not somebody else's version of the truth, which they call the truth, which is basically dressed up as a lie. Jesus Christ is the truth. His word is the truth. That's the only thing we know for sure. The only thing you know that you know for sure is what God says and what God says in his word that is, and when it's rightly divided. Now, the word of God can be misconstrued, misperceived, misunderstood, mistaught, and counterfeited all over the place. But when it is rightly divided, it brings forth life and peace and truth. And the Holy Spirit has been sent, downloaded right to be inside of us to cause us to walk in the spirit, walk in the truth, discern the, the truth, to know the truth. 
So when we're making agreements, some of them, like a passive agreement I was just explaining, and you said, honey, is what you just you just walk by, you just let it go, just keep let it go. You you don't stay say no, you don't say shut up, you don't say that's enough. You 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 for, in our in our society, there's so many things that are very very wrong, and we know they're very very wrong. Some people declare them to be very very wrong. Doesn't mean they can do a whole lot more about it than that, but they declare it to be sin or abomination or bloodshed or or blood guilt or whatever they want. You know, they they stand up against it in their hearts, in their minds. Maybe they can't, they're not able to do much more than that. They just know that they don't agree with abortion, for example. And some people take it a little bit further and they may be called to do that. That's fine. But, but if you just let it go because it's the socially accepted norm or it's legal and you don't cry out against it, then you're technically voting for it. If you don't cry out against something or cancel it out or declare it to be evil, then you're technically still voting to allow that thing to operate in your life. And there's a lot of passive agreements that we as believers need to stand up and say, that's enough. No, that's wrong. That's what's going to get us in trouble. That's why we're in trouble. And you need to take a stand for righteousness. So, you know, because, you know, we have, but let's just look at a couple of those kinds of agreements. We've got the passive, then we've got the unconscious, the, the agreements, the unconscious ones are the ones that were, that are being made in our, even in our mother's womb, even when we're first conceived, it's those agreements that just come as we, we experience them. Um, we're getting programmed, actually, the minute we take, we enter into that moment of conception the devil is beginning to psychologically recondition us to believe the lies, to believe we're sinners, to believe it is what it is, to believe life is, and we are what happens to us, and that he wants us to uh, agree with two things, basically two objectives Satan has, and one is to get us to believe that we are bad, um, unloved, unsavable, despicable, and the other one is to believe that God is bad and that he doesn't keep his word. Um, and so when we get programmed, we, when, we're, when we're programmed, what happens is that those programs begin to develop as patterns. And um, we get programmed by a couple of things. The first things, the first things that happen to you, the initial, the birth process, for example, we've talked about that before. What happens to you in your birth, subconscious, unconscious, whatever's happening there, you're, it's beginning to program you to believe and to anticipate and to uh, think that that is the way life is. Um, these are the early childhood programs, the womb, in the womb, the, the birth, the process of, you know, even getting through the birth canal, um, the delay, the difficulty, uh, the cord around the neck. All of these things, be death. Ex- a lot of kids experience a lot of near-death or death-type experiences in the womb, mother hemorrhaging, whatever. And they, at that moment, there's a very critical thing that happens moments where any, at any point in your life, but usually when you're young, it's very, very critical you go, you check out, you disassociate, we blank out, you don't go there, you, you, you're kind of like gone, mentally, emotionally, not aware of what's going on. And at that moment where you're not there, so to speak, the enemy comes in and programs you with fear. And he also then offers you a solution um, to the problem. If some of you, like your babies are born very colicky, they're born, they, they have a spirit of fear, terror, fear, and that you may, it may end up in their tummy and they may have cramps and pain and gripping. And that may be still a, a 
visceral response to trying to get out of the womb. Who knows? I'm, I'm not a doctor, but you know, those memories of cell memories and the muscles and the cramping and the tightness and all the pain and whatever. So they're afraid. And, and, and so when they are afraid, whenever, whenever we're afraid, Satan gets that demon of fear, gets you to be afraid. There's always a second demon that comes along, a second liar that comes along to offer you a solution to the problem the first liar set up. So if you're terrified and afraid, I'm going to, I'm going to die. That's one of our basic fears. I'm, going to, I'm alone and I'm going to die. I think the basic fear is I'm going to die. And the second most basic is I'm alone and therefore I'm going to die because I can't take care of myself. Then the devil comes in. The second demon comes in with a solution to that problem. He says, okay, well, then you've got to be in charge. You've got to take control. You've got to be strong. You've got to take care of yourself. It's got to be up to you. A lot of times when kids are adopted, abandoned in that early few couple days, months of their life, they have a second strong, they have a strong man in there, one with their name and another one that, that uses, um, is, is going to protect them. It's a protector demon is what it is. And so they come in and, and they, they work through the child. They're a false benefactor and the child accepts them, makes an agreement with that lie I've got to be strong, take care of myself, can't trust anybody, I'm on my own. And those children are sometimes very, very hard to reach because they're already programmed at that early age. So that's called our first things programming. So what can a parent do if there's a child they know they, the child has had a per- particularly different birth difficult yeah. uh, birth process? Oh, mm-hmm. uh, just they were sick, they were colicky, maybe there was a divorce, there was an abandonment, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Adoption. What? what yeah, what what can a parent do a lot of things. for their child? They can do everything because, see, you as the parent are still the authorized, legal authorized representative of that child. You can make decisions for that child up until the age of whatever it is, accountability or beyond. We don't know if it's 18 or 25 or 13, who knows. But at that point, you are still in full authority over that child and you can take authority. You can cancel out agreements. The Bible gives us examples of that. You can, for example, if your child is, is colicky, you know, a lot of people, they, they always run to the doctor for stuff. And that's okay, not really. But, I mean, that's what most people do. But the first thing is to do the spiritual thing. What is the spiritual thing going on here that's manifesting in my child's uh, terror at night terrors, uh, colicky? Begin to bind that spirit. You, the parent, you have an authority. If you know that this is a demon pinching, hurting your child, and, and it comes out of a spirit of, well, the, the enemy tried to kill your baby, by strangling him or by locking him in the birth canal or by hemorrhaging the mother, the baby has already went through a near death fear experience. You can rebuke the spirit of death and you can command life and you can, you can declare that this child belongs to the Lord. And you can tell that spirit that's of death and fear and colic and pain to go back to the pit and not to come back. You know, if you're desperate enough, you'll do it. And I have a many parents who come into my office uh some they've have have adopted children who have horrific backgrounds um and and it works it it really works to and especially if the parents know how to continue to administer hope and health and and those things to the child and that's why early childhood is so critical and a lot of children they're being now raised by technology, by their their iPads, their laptops, their TV screens, their uh, iPhones, baby Einstein videos, yeah. yeah, whatever the baby's got, just something to distract it. And we don't understand, but this is actually altering the brain, the brain's ability to think. And and these are not teaching your child 
the concepts of love and patience and relationship. It's teaching them distractions and technology and different frequencies and vibrations and brain pathways are being built in your child. And this is then becomes their life. And they, they have to, you have to wean them away from that. You have to get them away. You're getting them addicted. They're getting addicted to have to have these various things. And if they don't, then see, that's their, their world. Their world is being built with, uh, let's just say a fantasy world, video world, Disney world. Their world is being built as a fantasy world and they're not allowed then to live in the real world or to understand that the real world has consequences and there's eternal death and life in the real world. The fantasy world is a, is a, just an escape. It's a, it's a pretend world. It's a playground. Kids play. That's great. But in their playing, they should be learning things like on the playground, you learn sportsmanship skills you learn relationship skills sharing uh you know if you're if you're working around the house you know putting blocks together your your motor skills are being developed these are good things but when you're just sitting there you know your hand-eye coordination is the only thing that's being developed and you're pushing little buttons and killing little things and popping little beads and it's not natural it's not god's world it's a technical the, the god of this world this prince of the power of the air has created a whole world for them to go into but so that's the first things we are programmed by first things we're also programmed by familiar things things that we get used to um i was just thinking of my own life this morning um how i was programmed with familiar things growing up and um you know maybe you have your own experiences and you think of um those experiences but when i grew up we worked intensely we worked on a farm the work is never done on a dairy farm. It is never done. We don't go by seasons. We go by hours of the day. Everything needs to be done again tomorrow. The same as the day before is that we, the next day. There's this pattern, a familiar pattern of things are never finished, never done. They have to be done over and over and over again. And the second thing I remembered about my childhood was I worked really hard, but I didn't, I, I would have loved really to have spent my time reading the dictionary. I really would have liked to have learned a lot more things. I love reading the dictionary. I don't ever get to do it hardly ever, but I mean, it's like I wanted to learn things. So every little moment I had of my own, I would, you know, just covet to sneak away and read a book or teach myself geometry or teach myself to type or do something other than work, 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 work. But that is exactly the way my life is today. And I am 60-some years old. It's exactly the same familiar pattern of work, 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 never done, got to do it again tomorrow, work, 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 work. And my little coveted precious moments of, you know, writing a book or reading a book or reading the Bible or studying. And so those familiar ways were a program. You know, I, that's how I learned my life. That's how it got set up. One of the things about familiar things and things that we feel like we can't, you know, do anything about. You know, what's the what's the thing from uh, AA? So God, the Serenity Prayer. How oh. does that go? God grant me the serenity to 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 change the things I can, can change and mm-hmm. not change the things I can't change, and the wisdom to know the difference. Right. Something like that. That's Something a, that's like that. kind of a crude version of the <laughs> Serenity Prayer, but. What about the agreements that we make with the concept, it is what it is? Well, that's where we get, you know, to the third 
way that we're programmed. We've got the first things, we've got the familiar things, and now we've got the frequent things, the often occurring things, the things that occur um, almost daily in our lives. And, you know, we, we go along with, we have lists of things, lies that are so familiar to us. It is what it is, is kind of like the wheel that turns around and around and around. Whenever you say, uh, you know, when you do something, say something, declare something, and you end up with a comment, the, the, the final summation of it all is it is what it is. You have just cursed yourself that if you didn't like what was going on, you've just allowed it to go around another time. It's like that wheel that keeps going round and round and round. It is what it is. And because it is what it is, it is what it's going to be. And because it is what it's going to be, it's going to happen again. And I've just agreed with that, even though you just told me you don't like it. So these familiar things, these frequent, often, often occurring things, like, for example, if people, again, it kind of goes with familiar, but frequently occurring, like say you have a hard time in school, say you, you just don't get math. You just, you know, maybe you had a bad bunch of math teachers, really, you probably are great. Usually, if people are really attacked in an area, it's their, their best area. It's their greatest gifting. But the devil wants to make sure they don't ever discover that. So they really knock them out of the park. So if you're an Einstein, you're going to get sit in the back of the room and put a dunce cap on you and make you think you're stupid because no one, the devil didn't want any Einsteins being free to, you know, discover relativity or et cetera, et cetera. And so these frequent things, often occurring things, if you think about what goes on and on and over and over in your life, uh, and it can be something that has to do with your body, for example, um, that's because we learn from our body, our body a physical body is like the uh, receptor site for a lot of psychological, emotional, heart thinking decisions we make. The body gets the, 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 it's the, the, where the rubber hits the road. It's the, it gets the impact, takes the impact. And so let's just say that you have, you know, the, it's, you're familiar with your body always not feeling good. Um, your body is, uh, you know, often got headaches or you're often, um, irritated or you're, you're just not feeling quite right. And you don't even know that's not normal. Maybe it's, you're so used to it. It's just, it is what it is, of course. And so a lot of times, for example, when people um, have a spiritual issue or a soul issue, um, I'm thinking of two particular ones, depression and anxiety. Those, they, they start in your soul. Um, they, they, it's fear. Um, oh no, what's going to happen uh, I'm lost. A lot of people are really terrified about being lost, even though they're totally saved. They're totally born again, saved, love God with all their heart. And the devil has this way of just freaking them out because they think they still got to be good enough. They're still mixing the law with grace and they're actually paralyzed, like paralytic. They're paralyzed and they are so religiously tormented that they cannot get out of bed in the morning. They're, psych- they're spiritually and in their emotions, their soul, they're tormented. And what do they do? They go to the doctor to get a pill for their body because their body is paralyzed now. And all of this, these spirits, these thoughts, these feelings, these, this tension, tightness, anxiety uh, is working in your physical body. So now it's creating panic attacks. Your, your chemistry is off. Your body is, is full of toxins. And what do you do? You go get a pill to fix the body when the real problem is in the soul. And so you make now the body who's already problemed and 
overstressed. The liver's trying to detoxify. Now you put in a bunch of extra garbage chemicals, toxins, pure poison through that little medication, that pharmacia, witchcraft, prescription, solution, uh, potion into your body. And then you wonder, you go, why it's not working? My anti-anxiety medications, by the way, those are some of the worst. Get off if you can. And don't do it stupid. I'm not saying jump off unless God delivers you of it and you know that you know that. And I'm not the one who's going to tell you that. God is. If he, and don't listen to a false God and do it. Go submit yourself humbly to the Lord. Humble yourself. Go to God and say, you know what, God? This is killing me. I can't get off of this. I'm trapped. You're my deliverer. I repent for being taking the devil's solution. The, taking the pill is not immortal sin. It's not going to keep you out of heaven. Da da da. It's just going to make your life really hard down here. But you go back to the what's the original fear a lie agreement I made with with fear, Lord. I humble myself. I ask you to forgive me for taking His advice, His solution, for being afraid that I'm I'm lost. When indeed Your Word says I am saved. I repent. That's what it means. Change your mind. I confess. That means you're right and I'm wrong. I ask you now to deliver me from this spirit or stronghold or whatever you want to call it, sin, stronghold, spirit, drug. It's all the same thing because it's all behind. It's all heaven. I mean, it's hell coming against heaven. That's what it is. Hell is coming against heaven in you. And you go back to heaven and say, God, deliver me from this battle, this, this war inside of me like paul says who will deliver me he says thank god it's already done through jesus christ there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus now if you have a problem with that then you have a problem with god's integrity because he wrote he said well that was a man who wrote that well you know what here's the deal if god says this is his word and he's had many many people over hundreds and thousands of years write this bible and they all pretty much say something that works and says exactly the same thing it's not like Nostradamus or something else that makes absolutely no sense. This makes total sense from beginning to end. You put it all together and it makes a one complete whole. And it was written by God's Holy Spirit. And if you want to throw that out and say, well, it was just written by man, then you got nothing. You got nothing. You're going to have to go back and make one decision that God does not lie. This word is true. And now the only problem is rightly dividing it, making sure you're understanding what it says in the way it was intended to be said. So people on antidepressants the same thing they're all exhausted they're exhausted their body is exhausted trying to solve a mental problem trying to solve an irresolvable conflict a spiritual problem it might be something on that you're on a torture rack that's what depression is you're on a torture rack and the torture rack's pulling you both ways i got to try harder but it's never going to be enough i got to be good but i'm never good enough i got to make them happy but they're never happy i got to please everybody but i can't please anybody you know and so that's where we get into exhaustion and your mind says, I give up. I can't do this. Let me check out. I'm just going to go live in my fantasy world for a few minutes. Okay. I'll be gone. I'll be, I'll be back. Later. And so this is the way we live. And then we go to the doctor again and we get a pill to fix a spiritual problem. Well, <laughs> you know, all this can seem just super complicated. You know what we're talking about today uh, let's simplify this because it really, it, it sounds very complicated, but it actually is very simple. It's not just, a, I've got to remember to do this. No, I can't do this. And I got to bind this and mm-hmm. I got to lose this. And, 
and I got to think this and I got to turn away from this and I better not come into agreement with this and I better come into agreement with this. Mm -hmm. Can we simplify this a bit? Yes, we can. It is one word. Well, three words, actually. Surrender your life to God. Just surrender to God. Submit to God. Then all this other stuff comes out. The Holy Spirit will help you to resist the devil. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. You don't have to teach yourself. You just sit and listen. Spend time with them. Turn off all that noise you have to have in your life constantly. The radio, the honking, the, 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 the noise. Get into a place of quiet and begin to listen to God. Talk out loud to God so you pay attention to yourself. A lot of times we, we're, we don't even pay attention to our own prayers because we mumble them. Talk out loud to God so that you pay attention to yourself. Now, let me just kind of run through a couple of these agreements that you might want to be aware of, and we can talk more about that next time. But remember, this is all about surrendering. In other words, canceling out the lie and declaring the truth. The conscious and unconscious agreements. I'm afraid. I'm anxious. I'm stupid. I'm nothing. I'm no good. I'm never going to make it. I'm not wanted. I'm ugly. I'm not lovable. I'm unworthy. I'm guilty. I'm bad. I might do it wrong. I might be wrong. I might be out of the will of God. I'm confused. I don't know. What if? Oh, no. I had it coming. I deserved it. Doesn't matter. I don't matter. Whatever. Who cares? No big deal. I'm used to it. It is what it is. I had no choice. I'm afraid of being controlled. All of these things. I've got to do it myself. It's up to me. All of these are, do these, is this what the Bible says? Is this the truth? This is, sounds like a serious neurosis. <laughs> it is a neurosis. God doesn't want us to live as a bunch of neurotic, uptight, double-minded, conflicted people. A lot of times these lies come through our bodies, too, in a symptomized yeah, well, visceral then, reaction. Like, I, I hurt, I, I ache, I'm irritated, yes. indigestion, weakness, sickness, headaches migraines, these physical things are the result also of lies that your mind and your heart are believing. And so physical ailments are just the result of spiritual agreements uh, and, and without the canceling out. So surrender to God. And then as God shows you, cancel out. God, what is the lie I'm believing? Just ask him, what's the lie I'm believing? His Holy Spirit will tell you. Because he said, my sheep know my voice. What is the lie, Lord, I am believing? And it will come to your understanding. And then you say, oh, Okay, Lord, well, I surrender to you. I cancel out my agreement with that lie. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Mm-hmm. Submit yourself to God. Mm-hmm. Resist the devil, mm-hmm. and he will flee from you. Amen. And so that's, that's our show for today. It's not a show. It's the truth. But the thing is, if you um, just begin to if practice, do, submit, humble yourself, seek, ask for the truth, the Holy Spirit is faithful to lead you into all truth. And next week, the Lord willing, we're going to talk about knowing your rights, knowing your rights. So, Father God, we thank you for each one today who is interested in their life, paying attention to their life, taking um, an interest, a very conscious, conscientious interest in this precious gift of life you've given them. Lord God, may you bless each one with a renewed strength, 
encouragement, endurance, endearment to you, Father God, and may you answer their prayers, encourage their hearts. Lord, speak but the word, and our souls will be healed, Father. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. I have an emergency. What is your